Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, I am joined by Clay Notstein, who is well known for his excellent blog spot, Layout in the Grid. This is a most excellent primer for those wanting to gain a basic understanding of layout. Additionally, Clay tweets prolifically about his takes on designs and layouts for various indie RPG products. Those Twitter tweets alone will justify your entire internet bill. Fear not, dear listeners, it isn't all talk about grids and layout. We run headlong into a fair amount of nonsense for good measure. It's time to get rambling. Hello, Clay. Hello, Jeff. So we're going to talk about uh, layout design RPGs today and uh, how I got to, I guess, under, or know you or find out you. I think it, I don't know if it was on Twitter or some link, but I think the thing I most know you for is the layout um, and the grid on your website. Um, Explorers, uh, what's the name of your website? Explorers Co. Yeah, it's ex- it's the Explorers Co. Because Explorers.com is not available to ah. me. right. That, I believe that belongs to a restaurant somewhere in Boston. So, so you need to buy the <laughs> restaurant, and then yeah, I got. Good. Yeah, the, the plan is to buy out the entire restaurant and then, uh, <laughs> and then bankrupt them, and then I can finally get my domain name that I want. So, would you lay out the uh, would you lay out the restaurant on a grid? Uh, yeah, but in a very suboptimal way, because again, the, the, goal, <laughs> the goal is not for them to succeed with the grid. Like it's, we're going to like make sure that all of the booths barricade the front door, you know, things oh, like that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so what's going to be the appeal to it? So we, we're going to make it very inefficient. Oh yeah. I mean, to make this about the RPG, RPG world, we're going to format it like a dungeon. It's going to be incredibly awful experience. The moment you walk <laughs> through the front door, it's going to be, uh, you know, like Temple of Elemental Evil levels of terrible, you know? So, okay. Oh, there you go. Stick your hand in this. You know, I like that because you could you could have those holes in the wall you stick your hand in, you know? And yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe how, something you get something good, maybe you don't. That's how you get in, or that's how you get your takeaway. <laughs> so yeah, the deck of many things, you could do something like that in there. It's like, okay, you get this. I, we don't know what's going to happen. There's, it's funny because uh, I was just about to say, like, you know, theoretically, a restaurant like that, you could, like, roll a D20, and that's how you f- figure out what's on your menu. But there's a bar down the street for me, like literally down the stairs of my Boston apartment where you can roll D20 and that's how you get your drink. Like they have like just a list of drinks that they won't tell you what they are and roll a metal D20. Oh, so can you buy So are those drinks only exclusive to people who roll the D20? Like you yeah. can't get those any other way. Yeah. And I, I, I've discovered that like the good nerds that they are, uh, you don't want to roll one. <laughs> on the D20. So, uh, so they, it wasn't just that they just say, hey, here's 20 great beverages. Yeah, yeah. They say, no. you know what, we're going to we're gonna make this, we're going to ripen this up. So so like maybe like 17 through 20 is great and 20 is like super good. Like good it's good and great value, right? Like <laughs> Yes. Because it's all but, the same. But the one, yeah, you're going to yeah. have to drink it. Yeah, the, the one's like Jepson's Malort or some awful, you know, <laughs> lighter fluid that, you know, comes in a cup plastic or something yeah i think that's kind of interesting because you kind of make that whole thing an experience uh yeah. so so yeah. <laughs> the thing is when I, when I looked at the layout and the grid i think what 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 impressed me more than anything was you know anybody can put up a um like a blog anybody can kind of put up some graphics but you did yeah. all sorts of like 
I cannot imagine the amount of time you put into it this. It took way too long. And it's, <laughs> it's the reason why I haven't done the typography half. Cause like, here's the, here's one of the secrets about a uh, layout. Uh, it's going to look bad no matter what, if your type is bad, if your typefaces are terrible, like, right. so like I've known for over a year now or no. Yeah. For over a year now uh, that I need to write the typography half to this like guide and I just look at like all the work I put into uh, lay on the grid, like I, cause I knew like, there's no way you can explain this stuff without having made like visuals, like diagrams and stuff. So I made those. And then like, once I was done, I was just like, Oh God, I'm going to have to do this with, and like, I'm not as good at typography. So I, uh, you know, it's like you're putting yourself up for uh, some real risk. Well, I don't, your hand I don't door. think so. I don't think so because the way I see it, I may be reading into your intention here, but when I look at layout yeah. in the grid, yeah, this was not written to uh, the experts. No, no, absolutely not. Because this uh, is if you come in, you say yeah. I don't know anything. Uh, yeah. This can save you. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Because because I, I my 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 bosses and my professors were the experts, and they're terrifying german people so i'm i'm happy uh that they're not the audience for my <laughs> play on the grid i had to, I had to pay a, a a hefty sum for for them to see my work and say that it's awful <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, what twitter's for yeah 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 now it's free now it's, now, yeah now the uh the fee is only existential you know instead of <laughs> instead of what it was before which is monetary but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, you probably you probably saw it on uh, Twitter, but like 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 the good uh, you know person who wants people to read the thing they spent way too much time on. I I tried to proliferate it on the internet by putting it like on RPG.net or uh, I don't even know the name of uh, the Adventures Writers Society thing that was for like D and D people. I they, they changed their name. I think they're like called like Story Game Collector or something like that. But yeah, you probably found it through some Twitter or share. Or whatever. Well, I think what it was in the, the problem. So I got started into zines maybe a year and a half ago. Yeah. And there was somebody had a collection of links. I'm sure it was there. And I cannot remember where it was. I saw those. Mm -hmm. And uh, but there's a, a collection of just really good, solid stuff. And, and that was part of that that package, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that after I had spent, as, as we've said before, a lot of time on this thing, uh, it resonated with some people and like it resonated with people who I really, really liked. Like I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that they saw it. I was like, yeah, that's not garbage. <laughs> and they like put the, the link on a blog or a compilation or something. Yeah. I mean, I think to me what also made it really good uh, so, you know, now is it just take you through the elements in a grid and some kind of do this, don't do that, never do this yeah. you know, type of thing is I think what the value is, is that you just took some uh, zines or uh, mm -hmm. RPGs that you can go purchase through RPG or through drive through RPG, you know, fairly reasonable. And you can go along and see what they did. And you provided examples of how they did it and yeah. not just how they did it, but is explaining the, 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 why their layout works. Yeah. I, 
and people who you know have listened to your uh, podcast in the past, I I think I covered one of the creations of one of your guests. Like, oh, uh, Ben Lawrence, yeah. yeah, Ben Lawrence. Like through Elton's door is a <laughs> is a gorgeous, sumptuous thing that he made. And uh, yeah, like I, I I was sitting there looking at like layouts, and I specifically chose examples that were different from each other. As you saw in uh, the audience, if you go on, you can you can see that like these things. I got like three case studies where I took three RPGs I really liked and showed them. And Ben Lawrence is like just a single column, very uh, simple, elegant design. And yeah, I uh, I broke that sucker down and explained why it was so good. And I still stand by that. It's such a great piece of work. Yeah, and I, and I told him on there because he did not do the layout and he was very quick, very quick to uh, deflect any sort of praise for the layout on himself. Um, yeah, but, but, but I told him is, it feels like a Victorian book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's the style he was wanting to go for. And I think yeah. the simplicity, it goes to show you don't need all these crazy graphic elements. No. And there's another thing, too, is like, yeah, so I think he hired like a, like a Matt Hildebrand. Or there's a layout artist who does a little bit of work in our sphere. But what's important, though, is that he uh, he had a real like vision of what he wanted. Yeah. And he found people to help him make the thing. And like. The funny thing about through Alton's door is that if you own the physical thing, it's like made on like French paper. That's like, you could cut a knife with it. It's so thick. And like, it's, it's, it's really high quality, like production value. So when he chose to have like this really simple layout, it just makes those things come out even more. Obviously they make them stand out. If he had, you know, gone crazy with the, the design, the layout on the inside, you have probably gotten all those other things he put so much work into, so much thought into, would just have washed away. Right. But yeah, no, it lo- it looks great. It in person, physically, it looks really special. Yeah. So I found about kind of late <clears throat> before I interviewed. I went ahead and just bought a copy and printed it out for myself, and mm. um, and it turned out okay. But uh, then for his most recent Kickstarter, he offered. Uh, and one of the add-ons was to actually get the physical copies. So I'm, I'm buying it twice now because I, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't I want his physical. I want, I want his paper, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I did the same thing. Cause I, I have the, the first through Alton's door and then I miss like the other two or three that have come out since then. So then I saw the Kickstarter. It's like, yeah, I'm going to make all of them and you can buy the whole. Yeah. Thing. He made it real easy for us to give us or give him our money. I mean, yeah. He really yeah, just he, said, you know what? I don't want a barrier between <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, no. Uh, this is a this is a rough year financially. I'm I'm glad uh, other people don't see my my checking account because Kickstarter really really burned a hole through it this year. Yeah, I was I didn't do too bad until Zine Quest, and then that 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 kind of messed me up. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think a lot of them are, are you know a lot of those are pretty affordable, but you know as you keep buying more and more of them. It just it becomes a little less so, but I think also what I enjoyed, uh, I think, I think the Ben Lawrence one was really good. But I think what I also uh, found uh, great was, and I don't own it, but it was the Black Hack. Oh yeah, yeah and I think really for me, what makes it good is it kind of has a, I don't want to say playfulness vibe. It's not really the right word I'm looking for, but it 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 has with the very large. Uh, headers and the fonts and the way things mm-hmm. are done and the spacing it, it just um it it i think it for me i probably would have overlooked just how 
good of a layout that was, not really paying attention because I'm kind of new at this whole thing. But I think it, it, I think what was nice is you 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 have that, um, and you also did uh, off-worlders as well. So you did some very different examples, mm -hmm. you know, for somebody to look at. Yeah, the, it's it's funny you, you say that because like when I was picking out examples, like the the obvious thing I could have done was uh, gone after the RPGs that have the biggest audience. You know, like yeah. I, could have, I could have picked D and D and done like a spread from D and D or done uh, a Call of Cthulhu, you know, layout, something like that. But I when I was making, it, I was like, I, I want something like really clean pages with no art because the art can kind of fool you into thinking that the layout something it isn't. Right. You know? It's like at the end of the day, what uh, what my whole guide about is kind of like the composition, the, the bones of the thing that you're making. And oftentimes when you uh, if you, I, I see a lot of uh, young designers or just new designers uh, feel as though that their product has to have like be just bleed to be bleed edge to edge beautiful full color art and it's like man that is not accessible like, that is expensive that is hard to do and also it can be kind of distracting to the, the sort of basic principles you know but the black hack is fun because it is uh it's exactly what you said it's very poppy it's bold well i think the thing is that the, the i think the if you look at like if you were to grab a D, &D um a player's Handbook mm -hmm. or Call of Cthulhu, um, you know, I, I think it, it'd be pretty free, pretty easy for me to kind of get a ruler and kind of play around with it and kind of get a basic understanding. But and I, I don't know that they maybe they do, but I don't know they do anything unusual or pushing any boundaries. Where it looks yeah. like to me, the things that you chose are things that are like, you know what, forget about the boring textbook mm -hmm. of a you know textbook example of a textbook. Yeah, you know, it's like. It's well, that's that's the thing too. Is like, uh, I like those games because they do really cool stuff, you know. And like, I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, all I'm doing with the layout and the grid is I am, uh, I'm indoctrinating people to my own personal uh, tastes and aesthetics, like a religious zealot. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I will convert you to make you what I want you to be. Yeah, like uh, we we could talk about it later, but it's like you don't have to use the grid system to make layout, but uh, and there's actually a whole like world like graphic designers and everything else who like that's that's two camps that's the real world version of law versus chaos of like right. but uh you know it just i like the grid system i think it's super user friendly so that's what i go after but yeah to say that uh D, &D and like call their layouts are really straightforward and they don't do much like they found a formula that works that allows them to sort of funnel a lot of contributors like a different school contributors every single quarter yeah through it so they don't have the infrastructure the money the time or, or simply they just have some this thing that's really really like expensive that they're doing so they don't take as many risks with the layout because that completely messes up the entire process that they've already set out you know they got a schedule and they need to go and make those uh that new mega dungeon book or well it might add an extra person or two. yeah exactly because yeah one of the things that's uh interesting is that if you want to have a really good layout you probably need to bring out bring in the layout person to talk to the like the writers and designers before they even start writing and designing because otherwise you're gonna get in a situation where like you know 
they write a bunch of stuff and it doesn't all work with the layout or, you know, they uh, only make it to one certain thing and the layout artist doesn't have an opportunity to be like, you know what, we could lay it out this way if it was just written slightly different. You know, like that's, that's, there's a lot of really cool. It is weird because I've, I've been, if I want to produce anything, I have to both write and do the layout. Yeah. And so I find that it's like, I just go back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know, you write a bunch of stuff and you kind of put it in some paper and you're like, well, there's lots of different ways to do it. There's, there are some absolutely wild people, uh, whose style of, uh, laying out the book is to write it directly into the layout. Like, uh, I think John Harper, who does like Blades in the Dark, yeah, and, uh, he's infamously does that, which means that his uh, design process is probably like painful and super long, but the result is really cool too, because like all, everything he makes always looks really crisp. So the layouts are all really nice and flow really well. But yeah, I, I mean, I'll write something and then uh, I'll end up uh, cutting about half of it because I'm like, I, cause I just want to make those nice chunky squares on my page. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it is hard. And I think, um, you know, for me, the, the problem is, is if you don't have it already kind of figured out your words and all that, the, the part of the problem is the, um, is once you dump your, once you dump your text into your, your, uh, layout program, mm-hmm there's no going back really to, to editing it in a, in any other software at that point. I mean, you, you technically yeah. could, but you know what I mean? It's like, once you start playing around and you start putting your, your, your textiles and things, it's like, if I pull that out, let's strip all that out and then I'll have to redo that. And then it'll yeah. look like it's a textile, but it's not really labeled as a textile. Then if I go change my textiles, you know, for that, yeah, you know, so that's a problem is if you don't say, you know, I need 500 words, and da 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 da, and mm-hmm. you start playing around with it. There's no, if you don't have it all the way where it needs to be, you are going to be editing, to some degree at least, within that that yeah. software. Yeah, I mean, there's you could painfully after you've gotten to a place that you like in the layout software, copy and paste it back into the sort of Google Doc or whatever that you're working out of. Um, but no one ever does. It's so painful to do that. You end up uh, just giving the entire like file or PDF to an editor if you use an editor and they they do the markups right there on the page but yeah no it's a it's a it's a wild process and that's one of the reasons why like when if you see any really crazy you know innovative layouts it's either done like only a couple times in a book and then repeated over and over and over again because they do it one time right they they try they manage to pull it off one time and the last thing you want to do is reinvent the wheel so you just use that right. special thing or it's done by one person who's, you know, just a, a mad wizard in a tower in some small town somewhere, you know, they're in, in, in their uh, office and they make this uh, layout that just, there's no way you can convey it to a bunch of people. That's the thing too, about why D and D and like, you know, uh, like a chaosium or something may have less innovative layouts is once you get more cooks in the kitchen, it's a lot harder to sort of heighten everyone towards one, sort of fundamental goal of what this thing's going to look like. Yeah. And I also talked to somebody, I think it was, or as I was listening, uh, where they used to do with the writing was I think column inches. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you're really thinking, they're probably thinking more alongs of like a newspaper. Yep. 
you know, not along the lines of we got to They already know their art. They know their layout. They know how many column inches they've got. That's all they're doing is seeking to to fill those that yeah. space. Yeah. If you're a if you're if you're a writer for like the DMs Guild or uh, one of their like adepts or something, you, you already you, one part one of the markers or uh, signifiers that you're really good at writing a D and D adventure is knowing the format. And knowing that it's like, all right, you're going to have about this long of an intro. You're going to have this portion that says what's happening, what's right. happening behind the scenes. And you know, you're slotting in your cool ideas into these, this sort of structured formula uh, that, you know, fits the style guide of the brand. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely much more of a newspaper thing. They, they look at a lot of their authors and stuff as sort of like contributors, you know, the way you would like... Uh, a newspaper. If I remember correctly, I think when they started, I think Greg Tito was involved. He wasn't doing the layout, but I think they, I can't remember who the person was, the, the gal that they hired to do the layout. I don't know that she had a lot of background, but they really cut their staff down mm. to a fairly small number of people. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who's on there. Uh, Cause yeah, they only have like one or two they're not, they're not even called layout artists in a lot of their books. I think it's like a graphic designer. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I'm, it's a, it's a little opaque. I, I am not very great at seeing uh, like, what's the difference between, cause they got their own culture of work there. Right. So they have editors, they have developmental, they have developmental editors. <laughs> they have, uh, you know, graphic designers, art directors. And I don't know where the layout falls between like all those different people. Right. But, but yeah, they definitely, what they've done is they've cut down a lot of their staff because it is just so expensive to have a lot of salary people for publishing. And then uh, they outsource a lot of their sort of like creative, right? So they'll get like a, like a James Intracasso or someone like that to uh, come in and make some cool, you know, name a setting from D&D, &D, uh, Ravenloft Adventure, you know? Right. And I think also going back to what you said, the, you know, <clears throat> as far as having a, a, a maybe an official or even unofficial like style guide, I mean, I think the, the, the good part of it is, is that it can, if you're used to that type of way information is presented as a consumer, I'm sure that it makes it easier to consume, yeah. you know, all information yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's uh, really cool about layout and like just having a thing is that the reader learns how to interface with the thing that you've made. So people, as they consume a thing, they get better at consuming things that are like that thing. There's a, like an actual law or like principle name for it in a UX, but essentially people really like working on things or reading or using things that look and feel and smell and walk and talk like the things they've used before. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting because you'll, you'll look at like, and you see this in other non D and D gaming groups and like communities as well, but like part of being a good dungeon master or GM or whatever is being good at understanding how those adventures or whatever, how they, how to run them, how to read them, how to right. comprehend them and break them down. And, and really, you know, there is, uh, with RPGs, especially, it seems like the, the stuff facing the, the game master, there is sometimes just, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of information, but, but I do, uh, do find it kind of interesting that I find that 
I think Wizards of the Coast, from my experiences, um, are terrible about presenting information. I mean, oh, I, I, yeah. I just I I cannot believe sometimes the the amount of blocks of text to get any sort of pertinent information and how many pages you have to go through just to understand a basic structure of an adventure. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, God, you know, you, you're hitting a point where you're hitting that button that like I have a lot of feelings about and I don't know how to articulate all of them, but uh, they, yes, I agree. 100% I agree. <laughs> I, I, uh, and I don't know why, like there on one hand, you may have heard like sort of the conversation that uh, sort of originated out of Pathfinder when Pathfinder became a big thing that uh, I think some sort of designer or director or whatever at, at uh, you know, a Pathfinder team, they, they sort of said like, Hey, we want to make, we know that a lot of people who are going to read our adventures are not going to actually run them. Right. So we want this thing to be at least enjoyable to read on a because that's why people were buying it to read yeah was to read them yeah i mean that's rise of the ruin lords and stuff are 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 in fact very fun to read without running them in fact it may be fun more fun some for some people (laughs) to read than to run uh but uh but i don't know if that's dnd's prerogative because like dungeons and dragons is being played a lot this is the most played edition i know people say that uh you know, OD&D or Advanced D&D were the most played edition, but that's just because, like, it was a monoculture, you know, back then. Television was covering it, and that was the media source. Uh, D&D 5e is by far the most played game, and it is a very verbose, very purple prosy sort of uh, products that are coming out. And I don't know if it's partly because that's just the culture. Like, that's what we've come to expect that D&D adventures would look like that. Or if it may be something else. Here's my theory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you ready for this? Okay. I got more, but uh, yeah, give me yours. So there, I think it has to do with, uh, I think the one is their adventures are meant to be taking from, they're meant to be very big adventures. Yeah. And so I personally feel that if you're wanting to make things more understandable, it's going to increase your page count. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, like you're going to need some flowcharts. Yeah. You know, like yes, flowcharts I mean? are yes, flowcharts are do not uh, they they're not condensed information. You're right about that. I. So I think in order to do cheat sheets, to do quick summaries, because you 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 may want the long text, but you need a quick summary. All that's going to it's mm-hmm. going to vastly increase. It may add like say twenty percent to your book. Yeah which is going to be more time, more energy, more writing. I think it's, I think, I think rather than doing small adventures where you really don't necessarily need to go to that level, but those, those, the larger your adventure is, I think the more supporting material you need just for the GM to just to kind of get their arms around the whole thing. Yeah. To, uh, yeah, just to parse what it, what, what's the, what's the main idea here? What's the point? What's the spine of this whole adventure? What's the big picture? Because when I would, yeah. I was going, or I actually did run for a little bit the um, uh, the, uh, the elemental. What's the elemental one? The, the princes of uh, uh, prince, princes of elemental evil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to get a one note document. That one note document was pages and pages and pages and pages and pages, uh, just yeah. to just to discern. It was my Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Okay, so 
It's funny you get that theory because I got I now have another theory. Okay. And it may be a bit of a duck and weave from what you just said. Okay. Uh, I I do think you can uh, do a lot more like bullet points and flow charts and stuff and actually reduce the page count. But only if, and this is the secret to really good layout, layout is only as good as the writing that you're laying out. And I think uh, Dungeons and Dragons adventures are really long written things. Like what part of the style guide for D&D, for example, is like whenever you have like an encounter or like not encounter, a, uh, a challenge of some kind in a D&D product, the official style guide says that you have to say the whole name of the encounter of the thing it's dc and what happens if they fail and what happens if they succeed now other rpgs out there osr games or dungeon world uh, powered by the apocalypse style games they don't necessarily do that like they'll say like hey there's a trap here and if you and it's dc is 13 whatever and that's it you know like it won't go into like if they can do this and this and this or they can do this and this and this and this. And they don't do, they don't have to, those games don't have to do that because a lot of their like rules already sort of like do the heavy lifting, like a dungeon world uh, or a uh, hard by the apocalypse in, uh, challenge. They, you don't have to know what the, what the, the fallout could be if you fail, because that's what the, the GM moves list. Right. But then, but then it puts the burden on the person rather than the text. Yeah, and that's that's true. Yeah, it does put the burden on the person. So I guess D and D is one of those things where uh, they put a lot. They want to put more burden on the text to kind of like guide you a little bit more, tell you what could happen if right. it fails. And uh, so, just the style guide, the way it's written compared to other RPGs out there, like it has to be more verbose. So for even some of these more smaller things, like a, a stat block for a, a or a D&D monsters way longer than say a stat block for, you know, any sort of a old school Renaissance game or even a lot of story games. I think the other thing is, is I don't, we don't play a lot of D&D, but occasionally we are, and we're, we're, I'm playing in a game where it's a, um, the descent of Vernus. Yeah. <clears throat> and it seems like they kind of, you know, the, the saying show don't tell. Mm hmm. They don't do that. They just tell. It's like, they tell let's just read, let's just read, you know, a yeah. couple paragraphs just talking about how bad the city is. Well, why don't you just create a few fun encounters to explain how bad it is? Yeah. Designed by design by negative space is a is a huge thing in a lot of like user experience design in general, not just gaming. And uh D doesn't doesn't do that as much. Like like the things that you don't say are just as important as the things you do say. And so I guess just to, to take it, so how would you relate that to doing a, a design in the RPG space? Well, so a good example for, uh, I'm going to look at like, say, a Forge in a Dark game. game. Uh, in Forge in a Dark, there's a, like, a, for instance, a rule where you, you can upgrade your, your hideout. As right. Because you're, you're in Forge in the Dark, Blades in the Dark specifically, you're playing a bunch of scoundrels who have like a criminal enterprise. And one of the power-ups in the game or uh, upgrades that you can give your uh, scoundrel sort of hideout is something like hidden. You're, it all right. is just like, it just makes it hidden. And the negative space there is being like, oh, if, you, if I don't pick this, then 
I can be found. Like our hideout, it can be found by authorities. Right. And that's that's like the it's the implication made by like what is not said. So you see that in like other games too, where like uh, trying to think of some good examples, but like a lot of old school games or like Electric Bastion Land does a lot of like sort of negative space design by just front loading a lot of world building into like items that characters hold in their hands. Like there's nothing about Electric Bastion Land's like rules that should indicate that the world is like filled with like a, a sort of weird uh, punky like uh, steam punk world thing. But then like they'll they'll have like Victorian objects in their pockets. And that says a lot about the world without having a right. paragraph. You live in an industrial magical world. Yeah. And I think the thing is, I mean, I think the, the, the baggage that the Senate Vernus has is it's trying to convey established lore. Yeah. There's so where, much lore. Yeah. And it's like, I really don't care. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's probably a little story. But to be fair, even things that I've done myself you know, I, I would like give a page to people to read, players, and they would never read. So I mean, yeah. I'm being hypocritical here, but but I think with these other games, like if you look at like Blades in the Dark, there is some very, very, very clear established elements to the setting that are just they're yeah. locked in. But there's a whole lot like eh, whatever you want it to be. You figure it out. <laughs> like, there's yeah. a lot of that too. Yeah. What happens? You cross the, the ghost field. I I don't know. I I, I this, so this is like I, I love the uh, talking about like they have so much lore and I just don't care. You know because I've run uh, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons in addition to like because I'm just a consummate like I, I I love playing every game I can yeah find. yeah me too. Uh, I, I don't think I can play a game for more than four sessions before I want to play another one. <laughs> But uh, but that said though, I have played a lot of D and D because right. when I'm t- when I'm teaching RPGs to uh, non gamers, people who don't know what a fantasy elf or dwarf is, right? Uh, I want them they they want to play the thing that they see on television, you know? Right. They I want... mean, things like Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is probably the easiest one. Yeah. That people already come preset with lore. Yeah. D and D. I think people understand dwarves. They've seen Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They understand what an elf is. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I've 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 taught D and D to a lot of people who don't know Lord of the Rings, which is really fascinating. Like when you, because like we had this conversation with uh, we were playing with someone and we we said like a oh an elf in armor, you know, like came up a, a snowy peak to his temple and you're chasing them, and they're like an elf. And it's like yeah, he's an elf. And like and he's wearing armor. And it's like, yeah, and like apparently they they were thinking Keebler elf like they were just thinking like a little tiny person <laughs> like trudging through the snow and I, like I was like oh oh no and I was like I gotta pull up a picture for you so you could see this 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 person this is the not this is not the this isn't the, the the cookie baking kind this is a different variety all of its own uh, so just 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 yeah. uh, out of curiosity now like like what sort of demographics is this person in. Like, uh, it's usually not. It, it, they're uh, not Westerner. You know, they're they're of like they're from India or. Oh, you know, okay. You know that, that that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, or they're uh, or they're, because, they're not. They're not. They're just not a white dude. Like that. That's the. Yeah. No, and that's fair. I'm just just kind of curious because I'm listening yeah. to a podcast where these two women had never watched Star Wars. Now they're watching Star Wars for the first time. And oh and, wow. And, 
That would, that, that would be cool. If they're going to do Lord of the Rings. Oh, they actually have already done Lord of the Rings and the Star Wars, but it's just yeah. you know, I watch the first one like I have fallen asleep, and you know it's kind of funny. But yeah, but I but no, that makes sense is because that that there are cultures because a lot of these things. I mean, one there's the Western culture versus non-Western culture, but there's also then the we'll say the more geeky side of things. Yeah, and I think it's only more recent, only more recently that that the nerd stuff has bled into mainstream. That that yeah. really is only like the last like. 10 years yeah i mean look at look at the movie theaters it's all superheroes it's comic book stuff is officially uh makes the most money out of everything else at the, the theater. yeah but i find it, it's interesting that that people are coming to dnd see like mm-hmm. you know i would think most people coming to say hey i want to play dnd would have already had stuff most of the time preloaded but that's not the case yeah it's it is really one of those things where like uh because I, I would teach like you know, a bunch of like these friends of mine that were in uh, creative industries from all over the world. And they'd be like, they watch specifically, I can't remember what year it was, but whatever year uh, Stranger Things yeah. came out was the year where they're like, what's that game? Because like, we were watching it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's Dungeons and Dragons. And they're like, what? Like they were so confused by it. They're like, there's more, there's no Dungeons or Dragons on that table. Like I was, like, I was like, oh no, yes, okay. They're playing a game called, you know, and and then so that. But the, a game that may or may not have Dungeons and yeah. may or may not have Dragons yeah. and may or may not have both at the same time. Yeah, if, if you get both, it's pretty sick. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, uh, yeah. And like, it was such a, it's such a cool thing because then you're like, Oh no, that that's a that's real. Like, they're playing a thing that's real from the '80s, you know. And then they're like, "Oh, oh well, does it still exist?" And I was like, "In a way, yeah. Like we can play." It. So then, so then I run it right. And you get so back. wait, wait, so wait, so when they when you when people start to saying stuff, do you like start feeling like an electrical charge going through your body? Uh, I get really excited. Like, <laughs> yeah, like oh my goodness. <laughs> so this this if I so I don't I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but like. The uh, this the look on their faces when they when a person plays D and D for or any RPG for the first time and you there's a couple of expressions they'll make at certain points in that session. If I if I could smoke that I would because it's so good. Uh, like uh, like one of my friends uh, who I used to game with all the time, he said that uh, what if he did, whenever he taught D an RPG to somebody. And he described like a room and there's a fountain in the center of the room. Inevitably, these new players, these, whether they're young or old or whatever, they'd be like, well, what can I do? And he's like, you can do anything. Just tell me what you think you might want to do and we'll see how it happens. And they'll be like, hmm. And he says, no matter what person, they all jump into the fountain. That is like a like it doesn't make sense to, but like once they know, they're like, wait, I, I jump into the fountain, and then he's like, all right, you do, and then their eyes light up, and that's the moment, you know, the electric right through their head. They're like, I can do anything, you know, and, and then you're off to the races. We've got a friend. She's fifty. Uh, I'd say probably about my age, about 53, 52, somewhere around there, and she she's never played RPGs. So we we're doing uh, yeah. uh, Bridalwood Bay. And it's a it's it's a it's a power by the apocalypse. It's where you are the the characters are all uh, elderly ladies. That yes, are call they're, they're they're all mavens, right? This, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brindlewood Bay. Yeah, Brindlewood. What did I call Brindlewood? Yeah, yeah Brindlewood Bay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, so uh, good. Oh, she was like completely lit up and yeah, was just it's like so good. 
And, you know, I think that's what to me is when when people when you leave the session and then they are excited. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you you know you and I get excited about games, but we can't really go back and recapture, like you said, smoke that. You, yeah. you can't go back and do that again. The, the closest you can get is teaching other people. Who yeah, and seeing it in them, and then you get excited yeah. about them being excited. Yeah, that's that's the closest I've got to touching the the uh, intangible, you know, like high that I got when I was you know thirteen. <laughs> you know, like so. Yeah, no, exactly. And Br- Brindlewood Bay, so good. It's. Railwood Bay is uh, like Golden Girls meets Murder, She Wrote. So have you actually ran it? Uh, I, I've stolen elements from it, like a lot of elements from it. Okay. Well, because I got some questions. I ran it through once. There's, I, I, so, there, you know, as you know, there's no uh, there's no solution. There's no true solution to them. There's no uh, – yeah. there's a crime, but it's all uh, – it's like Schrodinger's cat or however you say that. It's, it's, you, a, it's like quantum, you know, like – yeah, you roll 2d6 and you open the box and then what the 2d6 yeah. says. But the thing is, is I start through all this stuff and now they're wondering about this, what, what, what were in the crates and what had to do with this. I don't know. Those were just clues. And now they're all of a sudden, you know, want to know what this all has to do, even mm-hmm. though they solved the mystery. And it's like, that's not really what this game's intended to do. It's the- well, well, yeah, I mean, uh, what's cool about the game, and maybe this is a thing about like that game that I think uh, why it jives with me. Is that I have far too many times been done the uh, irresponsible thing of being like, yeah, we're gonna run a mystery today, and then I haven't finished reading or writing the adventure. That the <laughs> is. So, and, so this is this is your version of a Battlestar Galactica reboot or yeah, the Lost, where you yeah, yeah. finally come to the very end and you're like, ah, yeah. I got this all together. And, well, yeah, and I and I and I I got pretty good at it. Like I, because like I realized it's like, oh, if I just throw a bunch of like real like heavy you know clues in there with like a bunch of little like loose ends you know and i I just throw them in there and the player you know find them they'll start to theorize i'll just listen to them and they'll say (laughs) and they'll say something and i'll be like oh yeah that should be the ending i'm gonna keep i'm I'm gonna twist it and that's gonna be the ending so it ends up being this thing where like they get a bunch of clues there are all these weirdly shaped clues they throw them into a box and they're like and they think that there's some sort of like thing that i know right from the very beginning but all i'm really doing is just getting all of those bits and then just in a mad dash at the end of yeah way. and if i would have went three sessions instead of two i may have it may have worked out more satisfactory but i there's a point mm-hmm. where you throw out it's like with it's like with uh battlestar galactica have you seen the reboot i have watched half of it so oh. so <laughs> i'm assuming the first half not the last half yes yeah so they just start throwing in all this crazy stuff Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And then at the end, when they go to resolve everything, you're like, they just threw stuff out there with no. And when they try to pull it together, it just made no sense. Like, oh, yeah. They no. would have been better off just to just say, you know what? We're out of money. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Turn off thank, the lights. Thank, thank God that, uh, you know, RPGs are already like all over the place anyway. So, like, I think people are, uh, as an audience, a bit more forgiving of like things that don't make total sense so long as it makes. No, this was just bizarre. This was just this. It was like they would just put something in there, like something yeah. crazy and big, and then at the end be like, "Well, that really didn't mean anything." It's like, well, wait a minute, you know, you, you did yeah. this big reveal, and then in the end, that reveal really doesn't tie into anything. Or if you do, yeah. you try to explain it. It's like this is. It was just a mess. But my point is, like, I start throwing all these things as as you progress, you keep throwing out all these clues. 
And there's a point where, too, it's like they do start honing in on things. And but there's also a point, too, where I've like I've created more questions that they want to solve. Yeah. And at the yeah. end, they want to solve more questions that I really never uh, intended to, to, to be the to answer. Mystery. Yeah. yeah. I, I get that all the time when uh, I, it's, it's one of the reasons why whenever I get a player who's really into the game and they're like, I've written a backstory. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> I can't answer all these backstory questions. I just, 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 there's just no way. Like, like it would make your character the protagonist of this entire story. So like, I, I always have these loose ends. I, I will say though, like uh, speaking of the mystery thing, it does help to do in like two adventures, like two sessions or three sessions. Cause then ev after every session, they will have conveniently forgotten something oh. that I can, that I can, uh, I can just let fall off the wayside. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, that, that helps. And then of course there's, a, it also gives me time to just like sleep on it and be like, I mean, I, I do a lot of brain melting stuff where I'm just like, okay, here's all the things I got to figure out how this is all coming together at the end. And it always ends up being something silly or absurd, but it, but, but if it, if it puts anything together, you know, it just needs to put two things together perfectly for the players to be like, oh, wow, you know, like, that's awesome. You know? And we're good. We're, we're rolling. But uh, yeah, thank. I mean, thank God it's not a multi-million dollar HBO production <laughs> uh, with like millions of people because I, I can fool four people. You know, yeah. I can't fool you know that many people, especially if they if they have record. You know, well, you're right. And the thing yeah. is, that, you know, if you mess up a game, like I'll yeah. say mess up, your friends are going to forgive because it really was more about the time yeah. together. You know, sure, we want to have an exciting end, but really in the end, it's it's also the it's the social time together. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, to go back to Brindlewood Bay, I think that's the mystery system that I like because it because it I, I've somehow fallen into it naturally by being an irresponsible GM. But I know other people who are way better at running like a Call of Cthulhu adventure or something. From well, the thing is, what's very clear about this is, you know, if you run that adventure, it's um, it's on a sheet of paper. That's, yeah. you know, maybe I'm, it could be some on both sides. but Double-sided sometimes. Yeah, Not but always. that's your adventure. And, you know, the, the, the suspects are listed out. Mm -hmm. Your initial problems listed out. Your clues are listed out, but the clues are, you know, are very, they're no, they're not, they're fairly vague and you can yeah. apply them however you want. And, uh, and so it does make it very easy to jump in without having to know everything. And it does allow you to, uh, to improvise without needing to read a bunch of stuff. But again, it is, it is definitely GM. The, there's a lot of, yeah. uh, talk about a game that makes you do the heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the one, like. Yeah. but it, it lets it do some nice things like I, how despite being very simple I, I i do love the look of those little mystery page like pages yeah and, I agree. And, I, and i think the idea too is you just throw out the clues so those clues don't tie anything to anything they're just clues they're just they're just a laundry list of clues yeah, yeah a broken like, vase uh you know a letter saying a, a journal saying i can't take it anymore uh yeah, yeah. a torrid or a, one was the a forbidden a taboo affair yeah a, a a rag soaked in turpentine you know like it's just like stuff like that and yeah you're put your uh the maven or whatever that they're playing will 
you know, search a room and then you just go down the laundry list and you're like, what would be in this room? <laughs> and, and I think, like, and I think it makes me more, cause I've never written a mystery. I've, you know, I would like to do some sort of mystery type things, but, <laughs> but I think this kind of gives a good indicator that of the things you can do just, yeah, you know, just have some people have some quirks. Yeah. What I like about clues. What I like about it, it's the thing that's uh, I, I think is better, or at least I enjoy it more than, say, like a Call of Cthulhu adventure, is that it doesn't matter where they go, because wherever they go, the clue is there. Yes. And the, the thing is, it's, that, I mean, the key the the setup is, it's, it's a lot like Trail, where Trail tries to not keep you from getting clues. Yeah. It's even trail, more... Trail so. always gives you one. Always. Yeah. And I think the... Uh, yeah, and I think the, in the way the mechanics are set up is it 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 is a lot of clue gathering is yeah. a lot of your activity because that's that's how you solve the mystery is by the not directly but indirectly by the number of clues that you solve right yeah or not clues that you solve but the clues that you get mm-hmm. so um, anyway yeah I I, I I love the gumshoe system my. Uh... The, the, my GM, the person who, who I'm the player for most often, they only run gumshoot games. Uh, and his games are awesome. Like, he, he's so good at it. And it, that three-clue rule and the fact that, like, because for your audience, if they've never, if they don't know anything about gumshoot games, which is, like, the whole category, is, like, you don't, you can you can always get a clue. You're going to get the clue that's going to help you solve a mystery. If you succeed really well, though, you'll get, like, an extra clue or or a better version of the clue that helps you solve it in a way that's more optimal for what you want. Right. Um, well, the clues don't necessarily – it's what you do with the clues is what the, or the interesting mm-hmm. point is to the designers, not the gathering of clues. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I mean like, uh, it, like so you, the gathering thing when you roll and you like get like, yeah. a successful Yeah. So you roll. do get the clues, but you the thing is – You use them better. Yeah. You, you, they may help you solve or may not, but it's really up to you to solve it. Yeah. And you yeah. may not solve it. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, if you go play like a Call of Cthulhu or maybe like a D and D game where it's supposed to be a mystery, it's like half of it's just trying to find the clues. Sometimes, right. like you or you roll and you're like, nope, you didn't find the clue in this room. Yeah. So go 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 look somewhere else, and maybe <laughs> maybe we can figure out a solve for this. Which, which by the way, uh, there is a solve for this. You, you just pull something out of like a pulp noir like book once. The, the, once the investigators in Call of Cthulhu Adventure have failed all their roles and have not found their clues, send two men with a gun through a door for no reason, and they will have something in their pockets or whatever that has the clue. You know, like, ah, there you go. Yeah, you do. Uh, what is that? That's a uh, Raymond Chandler. Like he says, like whenever the streak grinds to a halt, send two men with a gun through a door. You know, have them <laughs> have them come to go beat up the investigators and tell them to stop looking. Well, that's the other thing I thought about too, and I've, I've mentioned before on this podcast. But it's like you know, back in the old days, you know, you going back to like advanced D Hmm. You could, you may need to find that one secret door in order to finish the adventure. Yeah. And the only way you're going to find that secret door is if somebody's searching that particular spot. Yeah. And then you have to roll and you may fail your roll. And so you may clear out the entire thing and send characters circling around a large complex to never find it. Well, yeah. And like, uh, 
that's why you get some like games where it's just like, all right, I we we've explored the whole dungeon and you leave and you you went through like basically the entryway of like a yeah. massive dungeon and that was it. Like you never and I mean I, there was something uh, I can't remember. Did, did Advanced D and D have the whole elves can detect do, secret doors automatically? Yeah. Oh, I don't think it was automatically. I think they rolled, if I recall correctly. I can't remember. I don't think yeah, anybody found them automatically. They may get it like four and six or something like that. Yeah, maybe that was a... And everybody else is like one and six. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, something like that, yeah. Maybe, but, like, but, I can't but, remember the rules anymore because I know that, like, dwarves also had, like, the ability to, you know, stonecraft and they can detect inclines. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. Is they can do what a ball bearing can do. Yeah, yeah. They they <laughs> they can tell when uh the GM is just absolutely messing with you. you know, yeah, like, exactly. Uh, but but the thing is you can always have if you can't find the secret door, the you know, fail roll is actually oh you failed the seek the, the roll, but you could have the Raymond Chandler thing where the bugbears come out at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, again, it works for everything. Like just send some yeah. angry angry person. Like and it, it doesn't have to make perfect sense. Like <laughs> Like, because I've had players call me out and they're like, you know, if they just left us, we would have left. We never would have. And it's like, yeah, but they're not going to do that. That's not fun. Like, they're going to come beat you up and tell you to not stop looking. Yeah. And I think you can yeah. always point to, to even popular media. I mean, there's it, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you just don't don't question. Oh, yeah. No. And that's the thing, too, is and I, I maybe that's the thing I like the most about, like, games like Brindlewood Bay is they, uh, they have a real solid play culture. It's like. Just talk to your players. Just tell them, like, hey, this is the point of this thing. Like, we're going to, we want to look like this or smell like this kind of form of media. And that usually greases the wheels quite a bit, you know, if they know what the sort of like general idea of the, of the campaign is going to be. Well, the thing is, is they, the mechanics support that play. Mm-hmm. So you can do, you can have, uh, snipers shooting at these old ladies. You can have them in house fires. That would be a crazy adventure for a Rindlewood bed. Want to see go, that game? Yeah, yeah. And uh, but but if they if they want their characters saved, there's a mechanism for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a point where that mechanism will no longer work, and and something's going to happen. But yeah. And and that's what's nice is I mean that really it the, the mechanics are there to support that. Yeah, which also I, I was thinking too because that that would also if you could reskin that into a, a Scooby Doo type game. Mm, oh, I know. Wouldn't that be cool? I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I've looked at Brindlewood Bay and been like, there's got to be some sort of like hard boiled cop story in this, like that you could do. You know, it's just like, and then you could just pull because there's nothing but hundreds and hundreds of like old hard boiled cop stories from the old pulps and stuff just sitting in libraries. So you could just reskin those over and over and over again and have all these adventures. Yeah. It's just the cozy activity, be a little different. They wouldn't be knitting. It'd be yeah, smoking no, cigarettes and going to the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. The, the thing the thing that gives them life would just be sitting there and buying like a five cent coffee and a lot of whiskey. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. And that here's the thing is like I, I'm saying like that would be perfect fodder for that game, but like you'd have to put a lot of content warnings and like get curious like uh, sensitivity readers and stuff for a hard-boiled cop story to make it like even slightly kosher, you know, like, but yeah, no, it, it's funny though. Like I, uh, yeah, that game is fun. Like just the, the Murder Mavens, Golden Girls as an RPG. Like that's an, that's one of those games that I, I, I now pull out and to explain like, you, 
RPGs are a big hobby with lots of different categories of game. Like it's not all guys in studded leather, you know, it's right. Look at all these other games that are out there. And that, that's good for drawing in people who would never play, you know? Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll tie back. Uh, we've been, we've been ramming, which is fine, but uh, let's go oh, back to the design. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, what? Sure. Uh, what? Uh, <clears throat> so, we're we're going to go back to uh, going back to design to the grid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Lay on the grid. So you, I think you found a problem, right? And this is your solution to a problem. Uh, you mean like the problem of like poorly laid out games? Yeah. So I might if I'm if I was to guess, uh, this is not for Wizards of the Coast. No, uh, this is not for this. This is for uh, Jeff Schmo. Yeah. Sitting in front of you virtually saying <laughs> you can do better, Jeff. <laughs> well, OK, so here, here's what happened or here's why I made it right. Like initially. Yeah, that was the thing. Like I, I read a lot of because like before I wrote that, I was just reviewing a lots of RPGs. Like that was Wait, my- when you say reviewing, who are you reviewing them for? Uh, just for myself, I would put it. On, I'd put it on my website, or I'd put it on RPG.net or uh, RPG Geek. I would review something, or I would. Uh, I would also just run a lot of games because I used to be part of like a big gaming organization up in Ohio that had like 200 members or something crazy like that. So I used to run a lot of games, and I would see the layout, and I was like, ah, oh, well, I know a little bit about this, like, and little being astronomically more than some people, right. Uh, so initially, yeah, I was like, I want to make less bad. I want people to make less bad games. But then, you know, as time's gone on, it's more like I think people. Uh, it's this real source of joy and fun. Like it's a, it's another fun part of the process for a lot of people designing so, games. So don't you don't have like call specific, but like was there a, a particular thing that you saw and you said, you know what, I I love yes. this. I love this, but I can't read it because I hate it's, it. It's called this, called is what, this is what happened where you finally this is a straw that broke your back and you screamed out it's, no more no more I mean, was, what, yeah. what what was it that what was that moment it's called a cthulhu sixth sixth edition <laughs> all right so uh, this because like uh so and i i knew the moment where it happened too because i was playing uh at that point i had played like advanced D. like dungeons and dragons is my world that's all i knew because I, I didn't understand how the internet worked apparently and uh <laughs> I, but then, like, well, my root, my college roommate had it in a paperback version of the Call of Cthulhu 6th edition, and I was like, cool. And I opened it, and that book is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of black pages with, like, white type and, like, cursive that you can barely read. It's It's got uh, critical rules for how to play the game on random pages and sidebars just scattered throughout as if they loaded a blunderbuss with their rules and just shot it onto a page. Uh, and then, you know, some real ugly uh, mugs of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft staring back at you with his glassy eyes. And I was just like, I look at it and I'm just like, oh, this can't be the, the best way to do it. There's got to be another way for this thing to look better. And then, uh, you know, and, and so then the idea was just sitting there in my, my head for a while. And then I started getting really into the indie scene. And I would see some of those same things that I saw in, you know, Call of Cthulhu 6th edition show up again over and over and over again. And I was like, you know, people probably people probably want to would want 
to make their thing something people want to read. Because I know there's some like there's some like uh, games where like you 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 crack the spine on them, you look at it, and you're like, nope, close it, <laughs> put it on the shelf, go pick up something else. Like uh, I I remember seeing uh, the Hill Cantons like. RPGs. I'm not sure, or adventures. I'm not sure if you've seen those. I might have. I can't remember. I might have had some bundle that I picked up on, on or, uh, or something. Deep Carbon Observatory is another good example of like it. It was. It looks like it was laid out on a, on a Word doc, and it's it's a little rough, but the stuff in it is so good. The writing is so crisp. The uh, adventure design is really fun. The world is really like just original and unique. Very novel. And those were the ones where I saw, and I was like, oh, well, now this, I could probably lay out better, at least for some of these spreads. And that's what made me be like, okay, I want to write this thing. I think, because I was, I, because I, one, I just want to share my love of like really good layout, because that's like a, a thing I like outside of RPGs. Like, I love reading design annuals and stuff like that for advertising and design agencies. And uh, yeah, it's just two worlds of things I like coming together. And I made this article and, yeah, people. A lot more people than I thought would actually uh, like it. So, do you have feedback from people not in the RPG industry? Or I say industry, but do you have non-RPG uh, people remark about this? Or, or? <laughs> no, it's like a, it's it's like I hide it like a kink. It's it's like a. It's, <laughs> I, I I work as a a copywriter in a like creative advertising think like a Mad Men style agency, but a whole lot less drinking and uh, misogyny. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a better world now. Not not much better, but a little bit better. And At least those two things aren't there. Those two things aren't there. We don't smoke the cigarettes inside the building. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, we, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I've talked to a, a bunch of my friends and a lot of them know that I like, I, I love layout and I love typography and stuff, but for the most part, like they're all, they're all so busy doing their jobs, making ads for Nike or something that they, uh, they don't, they, they don't pay no mind to my weird side hobby where I pretend to be an elf, you know, like, <laughs> which is, which is fine by me. I, I have had some people though, where like, they're also geeks, like closet geeks in the agency and be like, Hey, you well, I, th- I think that, I mean, the, the principles that you lay out are, are universal, right? Yeah, so, they're fairly but, straightforward. Yeah, they're, they, they, they apply to nearly every printed subject matter out there. Yeah, I mean, I, there is, yeah, I think to me, anybody that is new to layout to any degree uh, needs to, ab- absolutely needs to, to at least look at this. Um, yeah. Because it definitely is just, it's it's some, some fundamental basics, um, but there are very important basics. Yeah. Well I, well, I appreciate that. And I think part of the reason why I focus so hard on like that, the glossary of like language of like how these things are called, like how, what is a column? What is a row? What is right. a letter? All these things is like, I realized when I was uh, trying to explain layout to someone who doesn't know anything about layout that I just had like this vocabulary that was just alien language to them. And I was like, Oh man, you wouldn't even know what to Google if you wanted to learn layout, like, right. And, and like, that's a problem, right? Like if the language is so specific that uh, people can't even Google it, like, no, don't know what phrase to type into the search bar, then they're not going to find the how to books that are way better than what I've written as an article. Yeah. Because I, I think really, I mean, the ability to actually do this kind of stuff 
for the masses. I mean, even though like <clears throat> I forget what's a real popular free program. It's been out forever, but but in general, probably the only people we're using layout software is people who've at least had uh, some classes in college. Yeah, especially if you're using like Adobe, where uh, they come to your house and collect blood every month <laughs> so you can use it. Yeah, no, it's uh, free wild. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any of the software I have if my agency wasn't footing the bill so that I could, you know, do it for something else. Yeah, um, uh, Affinities. They Seraph's done a really yeah. good job of yeah, their stuff. stuff. Their stuff's great. I, yeah, uh, and it's good too because if they didn't exist, I would, I feel there'd be there'd be some moral uh, hesitancy to being like you need to get a good program. Don't stop using this whatever I would insert, you know, but. But honestly, even, and I say that, but like, as long as you know the basics, you can lay out something really pretty and, and just about any program like Google Docs, you can make some really good stuff. Yeah, I found that some of that functionality, because you look at Google Docs and you're like, a lot of the stuff is like, well, I don't have it. But if you do a little Googling on Google Docs, you find out that there's all sorts of things embedded in there. Yeah. It's going to take you more work to, to, to play around with it. And you may have to do, it may not have sliders. You may have to input numbers and you may have to yeah. just see how it looks, but you can do a lot of those same things. Yeah. The, the thing is, is like, in, uh, in my article, you know, like you said, I try to keep it very universal because as soon as you go to a different program, it's got its own language right. applied to that stuff. Like uh, that was probably the biggest piece of feedback on, and because I ask for feedback all the time, and if somebody, you know, hears this and they go over, they go check it out. By all means, at me on Twitter and ask. But the, uh, everyone though, they, the most of the feedback was like, "How do I do this specifically in Affinity? Like, how do I set the grid specifically in Affinity? What buttons do I press?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah." But like, I and so. I, I'm putting that portion in. I actually have like a page for it because I'm going to be doing some updates. Why don't you just do it? So do you have an Affinity Publisher? I do, yeah. Why don't you just do a YouTube video? It's probably save you a whole lot of time. Yeah, it would. I know. Uh, <laughs> I hate making videos. They're so they're so hard. But uh, and I and I know some people. You know, they do better with uh, you know pictures and gifs, like in steps, so they can just go at their own pace. And so that's what I made on this uh, new version that I'm going to hopefully release oh. later. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I got a release coming. Yeah. But and when I say coming, I mean whenever I feel like it. So it could be, <laughs> it could be six months from now. You just may wake up one day and say, you know what? This is the day. Yeah. I, I don't finish any projects. Uh, what happens is, is I get tired of looking at it and I publish it at whatever state of being that it is currently at. <laughs> Like the article lay on the grid, it should be about three times longer based off of what I've drafted up. <laughs> but, but there it is. That's what that's what uh what exists. You know, I mean, it, obviously, you can always add more to it. I mean, it's not there's yeah. never a point. But I would say that definitely what's there is really is 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 sufficient. Yeah. For what you're wanting to do, or I should say, what you're wanting, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume that. But I mean, I think as far as somebody just, you're right though. Like it's yeah. It's what I want to do, and I, I don't really want to go beyond that right now. It's, yeah, I thought about for a while because it's about the grid system, and there is an entire concept of design of breaking the grid where you start to break the rules. Yeah, which is fine, I think, once you once you know the once rules. Once you know it. Yeah, and that's the thing is like <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing is like I was like I, I got to the end, and then I was like, this is the logical part where I would explain how you can break the rules, and I was like, 
nope, not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the you know the uh, the rule of thirds. You know, like with photography mm-hmm. and such, it's like I, I had a friend is all like, rah, 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 rah. it's like, well, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's always true, but but it, if you if you at least follow that, it it works most of the time. Yeah, it may not be the best way to do things, but it's usually not the wrong way to do things. Yeah, and you can do it the more or less right way a hundred times, and then on that one hundred and one time you experiment, and you just you nudge. Nudge it a little bit until eventually you got a style that's completely different from what you had, you know, 100 iterations ago or whatever. I think what's also can be very um, deceiving is you can look at a, let's say, a layout of something that looks fairly simple. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I could do that. And you start playing around with what you've got to try and it's like. Whoa! There is a lot more going on here yeah, than I, I really still, ever realized. I still have that problem. <laughs> like, because like, like you'll uh, like some like I've I've done the thing where like you know I found a layout of something I really like in a thing that's not RPG related, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a picture of this, and then I'm gonna superimpose it on the screen. I am going to just lay my things out in the same slots to get a feel for what this layout looks like yeah. with my content. So I put it in, and then I pull the picture away, and I look at it, and I'm like. That looks like garbage, because <laughs> you, know, uh, you know there's the weirdly enough like the font that you use for, yeah. can have a completely different effect on the shape of everything or uh, the scale between the big big letters of the header and the small letters of the body copy can be vastly different. Yeah, it's it's like trying to copy a logo. You're like, oh, that's a simple logo. And yeah, you start yeah. doing it, it's like you realize, well. Yeah. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, people trying to draw the Apple logo from like their memory, and they're putting like worms and stuff sticking out of it. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot harder than it looks. And you probably noticed, like I uh, I, I briefly mentioned like rule of thirds because it's that's still a thing in uh, print as well. The concept of the rule of thirds, but like I, I very briefly mentioned like the golden ratio, and I was like, not not today. I'm not I'm not going to cover the. The golden ratio. I, that's one I don't believe in. Yeah, I. It works. It works. It does work really well in print, like type. I think there are some things it, it does, but I think sometimes when people overlay it with photography, I think it's just like. Oh yeah, no. When I, they do it on objects, it's absurd. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's silly. But I do see times where it's like, yeah, I do see they did do the golden ratio. And it does make sense, and it really does work. Mm-hmm. But then I'm not sure if they were to overlay the rule of thirds, if it would still fall on the rule of thirds. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like I, it just I don't know. But there are some like art, like I've seen art where they do, it and it's like, oh yeah, that's very obviously that's what they yeah. did, and it's amazing. But I think if you're going to play that game, you, I don't think many people can pull off the golden ratio. No, it'd be right. That's the thing too. Is like uh, I like show like an image example. I think if I remember correctly, in lay on the grid, and it's like it's funny because like the golden ratio is like most often shown like overlaid over like the birth of Venus, and yeah. like and, I, and that and that's where it's supposed to be exactly right. And I look at it, I'm like, I don't think that fits. I don't know why that's like that. Why why did you put it over that? Yeah. Like, you could have picked it. Why didn't you pick a conch shell? Like that makes more sense. Yes, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's just wild. Uh, it works better when you're designing an object. But yeah, I mean, uh, another example of a thing that's like the golden ratio, where I'm like, is this made up? 
is uh have you ever heard of the uh the gutenberg uh like layout no position oh my god it's so silly so if you look at like an old like gutenberg like manuscript or like a uh illuminated manuscript made by a bunch of monks up in germany who like, yeah drink up drink nothing but mead and do that they they have this shape thing where like they will take a page and they'll draw a line from like one corner to the other corner. Then they'll go and draw a line from another corner to that line. Yeah. And, and they, they, they keep connecting lines. Yeah. It seems like an entirely arbitrary way. And it creates a very specific rectangle. Yeah. It's like in the upper left of the page. Or is it upper right? I cannot remember which one. But either way, like, and that's, and then they're like, okay, that's where you put the type. And I remember seeing that and being like, but why? <laughs> like, like, now, mind you, when I see it now in a, uh, like, if I see it in an RPG product, like, if somebody made an RPG product that was about, like, clerics, and they use that layout, I would see it, and I would think it is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> but, but, it, but otherwise, right. I'd be like, why? Why is this, why did you go through this trouble? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's it's wild. Yeah, and I'm sure that's a way with any any I guess industry where yeah. people just pull into some sort of notion and that kind of becomes a thing, regardless of whether I'm not sure why that is. Yeah. I yeah, it's funny because like in my actual professional life, I'm probably like junior intermediate level on all this like layout stuff. But then, you know, when you walk into a, a, an industry that maybe doesn't have as much of an infrastructure, like nobody goes to school for layout design and RPG books. You know? Right. Uh, suddenly it's like, oh yeah, you got above average like competency in this thing. So I have something to share. So that's, but yeah, like I, I, I rue the day when RPG like Twitter will like suddenly become like, you know, uh, art school level savvy with this stuff and then i have to i have to go and like break the news it's like i'm more a student than i don't i'm not a master this i don't know right. well i think what you find out is like you could be at like you know at 95 percent level mm -hmm. you may pat yourself on the back but that extra five percent they're like light years and it's like there's a lot yeah. of them you know it could be tons of people that could put out junk but that's you know you can compare yourself like myself. There's like with photography, I'm a certain level. I'm not near the level of a lot of these other people, but I'd say as far as you take the population, 95%, I'm probably the top 95%, yeah. but the, the, the big pros aren't at the 95. They're at the, the 98, the 99, you know what yeah. I mean? And they're, they yeah. are, they are, you know, walking way ahead of, you yeah. know, my ability. And the funny thing with like art too, is like, there's that one person who's like, they get to 101 and then everyone shifts on this scale of what is good because they, they have been become the best, you know, they, they've pushed the field just a little bit further in some way. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't even say I'm 95 cause I, I know a lot of people make, well, if you think of everybody that yeah. does layout, yeah, every maybe, single person yeah. <laughs> in the world, I'm not saying 95% of the people in the industry, but oh, I mean, yeah. you just take, for me, I'm just my 95% is just 95% of people that own a camera. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, will, I, I will confidently say that I crush every single high schooler making their essays right now. Well, that, that, that's <laughs> why I feel myself. It's like, I think I'm, I think I'm at a really yeah. good high school level. I think I'm for my yeah. layout, but college, no, not, not a chance. Yeah. I, yeah. I bet if I go into any, you know, 
political theory class where these kids are writing like their essays in in Word doc, I can crush. You know, I'm just gonna you know, <laughs> can absolutely make a better layout than them. Watch you know? this. Watch this, and then their professor will not care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun though. Like, and and I and so this is my new tech too with like the design stuff because I'm obviously like I, it's been a year now and like I'm doing more like reviews and analysis and like finding resources. Yeah, which I've been noticing on your Twitter, you put a lot of that out there for those that are listening. Yeah, people like it, you know, and uh, some people, not everyone. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but like part of the, the thing now is like, I, I let people, one of the things why you might want to learn that kind of stuff is because it makes you appreciate things in newer, different ways. Like I bet you notice with photography, you appreciate certain things differently now because you see uh, some sort of inherent or you, you find multitudes in the world that didn't exist before to you. Right. Well, yeah, I think the thing is, I mean, even for me, cause layout things just new for me, like last year and a half, but, uh, but no, it, 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 I mean, for me it is learning, but I mean the, anytime you do anything artistic, it doesn't matter to me what, what it is, but once you, you delve seriously into anything artistic you see the world differently the world yeah you know like you know you know there have been times where i just be walking around and hit a certain area like once i went walking to chicago and whatever reason those lights bouncing off the buildings created such right. lighting my eyes yeah. i almost started crying it was just like I can't mm -hmm. believe what I'm seeing right here and at this moment. Can you believe that they, they did that on purpose? Like that, that <laughs> oh, did they? It's like, not... yeah, the architects in uh, Chicago, like they built the glass face of a lot of those buildings to replicate the water of the, of the lake and river yeah. going through it. So they wanted the light and stuff of those, of that water to shine off at just right. So they, that's why it's like wavy glass on so many of those buildings. Yeah, but there's be times you walk in the city the way the sun would bounce off the different yeah. buildings and then project Water. down. And I'm like, it, it's kind of like um, the uh, the girl with the uh, pearl. Pearl um, Yeah. What, did you see the movie? No, I did not. No. Okay. I need to. Okay. It's it's decent. Uh, it's about Vermeer. <laughs> But you know the the way they lit the stuff in the movie, yeah. I'm like, wow! Well, how? Of course, if if the world looked like that, yeah. you're going to do a painting like that every time. It oh, was so beautifully lit. Like yeah. the world's not that perfect, but it was like, it but it was like, like that. Yeah, you know, yeah you get those rare moments. Who's there's a, there's a really great director. I can't remember his name, but uh, did like The Revenant. And uh, The Revenant is oh, I need with, to see that. I've never have. It's done with all natural light. Uh, it's what they say, and you. If you watch that movie, you're no. like, I've never seen that world. <laughs> no, that's not no planet Earth. It's post-production. Right. They'd have to production, but still, you're going to be you're going to be doing. <laughs> you're going to have to be bouncing stuff off of off of reflectors. You're going to have to do fill light. You have to have fill lights. Oh, I think we lost audio. Hello, hello, hello. All right, I got you now. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you got to have fill lights. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they, they from what I heard, they said that they used uh, no fill lights or anything. Mind you, he, they also said that they had like 20 minutes every day that they could actually film in this particular window. Oh, then if they did that, then they could. Yeah. I think it was like uh, they picked like the golden hour, right? But, <laughs> or whatever, which isn't even an hour in some places. But 
Well, it's like was it, who was the the it wasn't Kubrick. There was some sort of director. They were I remember it was Kubrick, and somebody's remarking about it was I think uh, who's the one that was married to Tom Cruise early on Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, oh, but he would wait to film at this particular location because the sun would hit at this particular thing. It's just like that's just <sighs> that is just um, uh, hubris. Yeah, yeah, it's hubris because it, uh, you know I've been on those sets now, like, working in like on commercial sets, but sets all the same, and it's like. I just can't imagine a world where any any human being has that power to decide everyone else's lives because there's because they're huge productions like I like they they did so many takes of this one scene in the Revenant and like if they didn't do the take right it's like all right we're gonna try tomorrow and they just did that for like three weeks. You know, if if you had a limited budget and a limited, I can't imagine that a a yeah. movie studio there's gonna be a point where they're gonna say you know what. You're out of money. You yeah. get the shot in the next three days, or we're done. Yeah, yeah. And whatever you got is what you got. Get us, get us this uh, five minute battle scene done. All right, like, <laughs> yes. you gotta move on to the talking bits. It, it'd be cheaper to do this in CGI, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of things end up in CGI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But well, it looks like we're hitting the time space continuum. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun. I, or at least it was for me. I, I don't really mind if it wasn't for you. <laughs> well, it was. Yeah, it was. It was tough to get through. It was middling. Yeah. Well, I'll, I put up a good act. <laughs> it's been an amazing time, Clay. I appreciate it to have you back. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. Take care. Additionally, Clay prolifically. Tw- Additionally, Clay prolifically. Hmm. Additionally, Clay prolifically treat. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, Clay Additionally, Clay prolifically tweets prolifically prolifically tweets. Additionally Additionally, Clay tweets prolifically about his takes on design and layouts for various indie RPG products. 